0: you're listening to real presence live now back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area heard right here on the RPR network.
1: All right. So I know we're talking real presence live and we got fatherhood and we've got Thomas S Girl coming out, but I did hear the end of that last ad that played with father Richard kunst in his papal artifacts display. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So if you haven't signed up for that, it's August 19th through the 21st, I believe the ad said. I really want to encourage you to check it out because he's got some really, really cool things. Did we, we talked We're to talked him to about it a few it. months yeah. back, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, there, there's just a quick plug for Father Richard Kunst into his uh, Papal Artifacts collection. Check it out. He's got some really neat stuff. And uh, you can go online and listen to the podcast that we, uh, as we visited with him as well. I think that was a few months ago, April? Mm-hmm.
2: That sounds about March. right. March. March, probably. I don't know.
1: Just type in Father Richard Kunst and uh, you'll find it. So, All right. <clears throat> we are back here on Real Presence Live, and we are excited now to visit with Thomas Escrow, a good friend of mine who I haven't spoken with in a while. So that shows you how good of a friend I am. Um, <laughs> Thomas, good morning. <laughs>
3: hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Absolutely. So, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself what it means to you to be a father, because you have some beautiful children.
3: Hey, thanks. Yeah, so my name's Thomas Escrow. I'm the Director of Evangelization and Discipleship for Sacred Heart Parish in Aberdeen, South Dakota, so right in the heart of Real Prison's Radio Country. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm a father of four uh, beautiful daughters. Uh, my oldest, Hannah, is eight, and I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and uh, we're expecting our fifth
1: so Ah, congratulations
3: yeah thank you um so we're due in november we'll find out if it's a boy or girl here in just a couple weeks uh people always ask me oh you have four daughters you are you hoping for a son and uh there's a part of me that says yeah but then there's another part of me that's kind of like scared to have a boy (laughs) because i feel like i've got the girl thing down you know
1: (laughs) yeah exactly
3: so blessed am i among women i'm a blessed man, (laughs) man absolutely
1: you know, we're, we're going to talk about fatherhood and the Eucharist today because we have Father's Day and Corpus Christi on the same day, which is really neat. You know, so I, I just want to talk about what does fatherhood mean to you? When you hear the word fatherhood, what comes to mind and heart?
3: Sure. Yeah. So what comes to my mind in fatherhood is um, it's sort of the, the pinnacle maturity of every man. It's the vocation calling of every man, right? Whether you're married or a priest or a religious, or even if you're single, uh, man's vocation is, is called to this fatherhood, right? So there's a biological fatherhood that, Brandon, you and I are both biological fathers, but then there's also spiritual fatherhood of, uh, of guiding and protecting and bringing up uh, our children, you know? And obviously, each of us have a parish priest that's our spiritual father, uh, but then we're also called to be spiritual fathers to our own kids, and how important that is um, to raise our kids uh, in knowledge of who Jesus is, in knowledge of who God is, um, and to protect them. And, yeah, and just—so uh, that's what comes to my mind when I think about fatherhood, when I think about my own fatherhood. And it's pretty cool that Father, uh, Father's Day falls on Corpus Christi this year, so— yeah, thanks for having me on to talk about it. I
2: really like it. So your daughters are two, four, six, and eight, correct? That's right. I would imagine that you're as a father, you're being exposed to really different levels of development and curiosity and questions. Um, your eight-year-old probably asks different questions than your four-year-old per se. So are the are the questions for you getting to be um, more spiritual, more more on a uh, like a more of a specific base basis, you know, for example, um, I could see your eight-year-old, so how do I know that this is Jesus Christ in the Eucharist?
3: Sure, yeah. And Hannah, my oldest, just, she was second grade this last year, so she just received her first Holy Communion mm-hmm. um, this year, which was such a beautiful gift, and it was such a cool, our parish, you know, does the preparation in a way that the parents are sort of the primary catechists. So I got to walk with Hannah all year through some different texts and, and uh, workbooks and things like that and get to talk about that very issue of, like, yeah, because the 8-year-old is ready and is, understands, like, that, um, understands things differently than my 2- or my 4-year-old does, right? And so when it comes to the Eucharist specifically, what I really tried to hit home with her, what I think is so important that so many people miss, is that there's a whole side of reality beyond what we can see. Our modern culture sort of tells us that the only things that we can see, feel, hear, and touch, the things that we experience through the senses, is all that is real. And yet, us as Catholic Christians, like, we understand there's a whole spiritual dimension, a whole reality beyond the senses, and in fact, it's a much deeper and broader reality and richer reality than what we can see, feel, hear, and touch. Uh, the senses are only extend what seventy years, eighty. for those who are strong, but the spiritualness goes into eternity. So I tried to hit home with my with my daughter um, the fact that there's a whole you know uh, spiritual side of things that even though the Eucharist, what you see, what you taste, still tastes like bread and still tastes like wine, the truth of the reality is that uh, with our spiritual senses, we know that it is Jesus who gives himself to us in the Eucharist. So just being able to explain that to her, to help her through those questions, is such a gift um, and a responsibility, you know, as a parent, that uh, really God ordained me as a father and Katie as her mother to help her through these things as her parents, you know. And so that's a great responsibility that God's given over In a sense, you know, God is her father through her baptism, and he's given me a share of that fatherhood here on earth. So it's not like I replace God in that way, but I partake in his fatherhood of my children, um, which is so cool, such a cool way to, to think about it, I think.
1: Right. Well, and you know, you think the their first experience of God is actually going to be you and Katie, as as their parents, and unconditionally loving them and caring for their needs as God the Father does for us, which is really cool. You know, Thomas, I've known you for many years, and I know that you've been on a spiritual journey from uh, from college and, and having a deep encounter with Christ. As you think about being a father now to to five children, right? One in the womb. You know, and and looking back to where you were in college before you had your your you know deep conversion of, of faith and I, what is that like for you? Because I, I think about I think about where like where I was right, and and now as as a father, and I just I'm overcome by emotion actually to see how far God has brought me, and to be able to be at the point where where I can have these conversations, and you can have the conversations like you you, you were talking about having with Hannah. You know, what is that like for you seeing the goodness of God in your life and how you're able to bring that to your children now? in you as you've grown in your relationship with him and wanting to hand that down,
3: yeah gosh, what a question i mean <laughs> um yeah you're right it's totally overwhelming uh to think about you know the progression of life that we all sort of mature uh, through our school days and i I can look back and be grateful uh for all my parents, you know my dad especially um the the witness that my parents gave me of uh, parents that love the Lord. You know, I remember walking out of my room, like throughout high school, you know, early in the morning when I would wake up and walk to go take a shower first thing in the morning. And both my parents are sitting there in their chairs, uh, praying with their magnificats. you know, praying the rosary, just quietly spending time in silence. And even though they never like talked to me about that, it was a witness to what it means to take time out of your day to be with God and to talk to God. And then through, you know, youth and college days, like you said, uh, uh, maybe faith wasn't as important to me, but, but through the the good work of focused missionaries, through the good work of other students and all kinds of people, um, really encountering the Lord in a deep and a personal way, in a way that invited me to give my life to Him. Um, and then, you know, through the college days and meeting Katie and getting married and becoming a father, like, yeah, there's just all these different steps of maturing, that um, I feel like God's really led me on, like, okay, you're ready for this next step. You're ready for this next step, and um, so just the other day, we had the reading towards the end of Easter, right? The conclusion from the Gospel of John, where uh, Peter's talking with Jesus, they're uh, they're back up in Galilee, and then Jesus has got this line to Peter just uh, that says, You follow me, you know, and it's like the same line that he used at the beginning three years ago when he asked them to follow him on the Sea of Galilee, um, and so it's like yeah, you're just continually following the Lord. And what that means is different when you're <laughs> when you're in high school and when you're in college and when you're a young adult, when you're married, when you have kids. Probably, you know, when my kids become high school age and when they get off and, and then we're empty nesters and later in life, but the message is always the same, to follow me. So those are some of the things, I guess, that, that come to mind there.
1: That's beautiful. You know, as we uh, think about our spiritual journey, what role has the Eucharist played in that for you, Thomas, as far as convicting your heart that this is the truth, that this is what I want to leave as a legacy for my family?
3: Sure. So, uh, you know, I grew up Catholic, cradle Catholic. So was, you know, taught about the Eucharist and always went to Mass. Every Sunday was never really questioned but there really becomes a, a point in life, I think, where everyone has to look at uh, and ask themselves the questions. Uh, do, I, do I believe what I say I believe, like truly? Do I really believe that that's the Lord in, uh, in the Eucharist, you know? And, and so I can see in different parts of my life where I've encountered God in a deeper way in the Eucharist through adoration or focus conferences or things like that. Um, And then I also can see, like, the intellectual side of it was another growth period for me of learning, like, uh, you know, the deeper things about John 6 and the Bread of Life discourse, when you take a look at the the Last Supper institution narratives and all those things. So um, just ever going deeper into what the Eucharist is, both on an experience level and on an intellectual level. And then being able to take all of that, those ways of God's led me um, deeper into a relationship with him through the Eucharist, and to pass that on to my children, and I think that's, you know, a big part of fatherhood.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. If you're just tuning in, we're visiting with Thomas Escrow about fatherhood and the Eucharist as we have Father's Day and the Feast of Corpus Christi coming up very soon it's it's uh, the 19th so just a little over two or a little under two weeks from now we're going to continue our conversation as we dive deeper into father's day and corpus christi what those mean to thomas as a catholic father and then maybe get some advice I, I mean i'm taking notes thomas is eight years into this thing um i'm only a year into it so is there any advice for catholic fathers that he would have we'll talk about this as real presence live continues stay with us
0: You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show.
1: Thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Live. We are continuing our conversation with Thomas Escrow about fatherhood and the Eucharist as Father's Day and the celebration of Corpus Christi are on the same day June nineteenth is a Sunday, so we're very excited for that. Thomas, thanks for staying on with us.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I got, Can you do something for me? You know, you, yeah. you said your daughters are two, four, six, and eight. Like, yeah. Who on, do we appreciate? Exactly. Can you can you do that? <laughs> like can, uh, on Father's Day, like two, four, six, and eight. Who do you appreciate, Daddy? Daddy, like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> Come be know, your, for my birthday. I, I was uh, my birthday's in May, and they got me a T-shirt
1: that says "Girl Dad." Awesome! <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sweet.
2: Thomas, I have, a, I have a question. When we went into the break, you were talking about your experience with the Eucharist and, and your journey with the Eucharist, and, yeah. and how you explain how the experience of it, uh, and then and then you talked about the intellectual part of it. That at some point in time in your life, you had to ask yourself, you know, is this the case? So. It was a very interesting journey, and I think it's one that many of us probably go through. When you are raising your daughters, and now with Hannah just receiving her first communion, do you take that experience and, and use that when you address the Eucharist with your family? I mean, it's because I'm guessing, personally, my intellectual, um, my intellectual question was a lot later than eight years old. So do, yeah. you, do you take that into consideration when you're, when you're working with your family?
3: Yeah, that's a great question and a great point. Because you got to sort of gauge uh, what they're ready for and what they're asking about. Because yeah, it won't do any good to answer questions that aren't being asked, right? But as your kids get older and they start putting two and two together and uh, you know going deeper into science and things like that, you want to—at least I think—you want to make sure that they're not just focusing on the material world as if that's the only thing that there is, right? And so they, you want to make sure that you're talking about the spiritual realities, not as something ephemeral or different, but as real, right? Thoughts, feelings, desires, needs, like all of those things are spiritual realities. What are the powers of the soul, as St. Thomas Aquinas uh, talks about them, right? Your, your intellect and your will, your affectivity, like and, and right, I'm not going to break up the summa on my eight year old, but you know, as she gets older, I want her to be attuned to these things as spiritual realities. So, um, it's it's a matter of you know watching them and seeing what they're ready for. And and the other thing too is like I just prepared my kids for first Holy Communion for Hannah, but and I I try to tell parents this at the parish, like your preparation is really ongoing. You know, now that she's received her first Holy Communion, yeah, this period of preparation to receive it for the first time is done, but what about their second Holy Communion and their third Holy Communion and their 445th exactly. Holy Communion? Like, yeah. the, that sacramental preparation is really the whole time that they're underneath our sort of tutelage. And um, and not, not just that, but um, reconciliation as well. Are you talking to your kids about God's mercy and forgiveness and helping them to you know, rediscover a new examination of conscience that might be more fitting for a 13-year-old than it does for an 8-year-old, you know? So many times we see kids in the parish that um, they're receiving their second, you know, reconciliation when they're confirmation age at 10th grade, and it's Mm. been eight years since they went to confession. So, um, and that's, you know... Oh, go ahead, sorry.
1: Uh, No, that was just uh, a time cue for... uh, We get about uh, four (laughs) minutes left. So go ahead and finish what you're saying.
3: Oh, I could just ramble on and on. You know, <laughs> okay. <but>.
1: Uh, <clears throat> so, from from what I hear, though, that uh, your your kids need a better understanding of what it means to consume the suma. They're not quite ready for that yet.
3: <laughs> they ate one a, step at a time. Ate you know? a couple we'll pages. Start with the, prima, <laughs> the prima pars will move into the secunda pars.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things that I would love to to hear your advice about. I know that you guys have had a lot of experience with. Uh, catechesis of the good shepherd and that that's a very hands-on learning and i think probably provides a great experience of the mass so what would you say about programs like that but then even you know to parents listening um and even fathers because i think this is a really great you know moment that a father can have with his children at mass when when there's the elevation of jesus in his body blood soul and divinity you know and being able to share that beautiful moment with children
3: sure yeah so um to answer the first part of your question yeah catechesis is a good shepherd a montessori-based method of catechesis developed by some italian women some 50 60 years ago but still going strong uh, and growing in uh, these United States, for sure, as well as all over the world. But um takes a serious look at the religious needs of the child, and as two big pillars of the program are Scripture and liturgy, right? So um, trying to introduce our kids to different aspects of the liturgy. Um, so that it really comes from the Second Vatican Council's uh, document, Lumen Gentium, that talks about how uh, the laity are to have a uh, conscious and active participation in the liturgy. So we're trying to introduce kids, um, you know, this starts at three years old at a level that goes all the way through 12 years old. Can they understand in some way what an epiclesis gesture is or what the doxology is, you know, and what we're doing uh, with our bodies and how that has meaning so, uh, CGS, if you're sort of in a city out there, and that they're all over the Midwest that has CGS in a parish, um, check it out, especially if you have three or four-year-olds. So, and then to answer the second part of your question, because it might not be possible for you as a father to be um, a CGS guide. A lot of times atriums are during the working day or whatever, but um, so important. I guess what I would say, first of all, is you can't pass on to your kids what you don't have. So, it takes that take stock of your own relationship with our Lord in the Eucharist? Like, do you believe that what you believe is really real? You know, a lot of times I look around, and this is, you know, a little bit of a a critique, but just a calling to arms for men in the church. Um, A lot of times women outdo us, right? I mean, you look around on church, it's the women that are singing, it's the women that are doing the the responses, and a lot of times men are just like there, or a lot, you know, Women are there with their kids, and the men are at home, like getting ready for the football game, like weak sauce, right? So, men, you're called to be a leader, and your kids aren't going to take, aren't going to think seriously upon the church and the Eucharist if you don't. So, there's one thing to think about. Um, So, developing your own relationship with our Lord in the Eucharist, in adoration, and going to Mass, in your understanding of what it is. And uh, we're about to embark on a three year or a two year eucharistic revival right Mm. there's going to be all kinds of teachings on what the eucharist is and why that's logical and consistent and makes sense so plug into some of that information from your parish or from your diocese that's kicking off here on corpus christi in just a couple weeks
1: that's awesome thomas it's always a pleasure visiting with you thanks so much for being on with us talking about fatherhood talking about the eucharist and just how the two come together in your heart
3: Hey, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate
1: it. Yeah, God bless you. All right, John, we're at the end of our show. We have a preview of what's coming up on tomorrow's Real Presence Live. I think we're sending it to Therese. What's coming up?
4: It's live. Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Hosts Father Richard Kunst and Cindy Jennings will be coming to you live from St. James Church in Duluth. Bishop Daniel Felton from the Diocese of Duluth will be on to discuss Pentecost, Corpus Christi, and parish picnics. Then call in with your questions on the Catholic faith during Straight Talk from 9.30 to 10 a.m. Central. And Monica Hendrickson will be on to tell tell us about how you can get close and personal with the history of the papacy. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That's on Tuesday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you.
1: Thanks, Therese. All right. We have a couple minutes here. John, we'll start with your takeaways. I,
2: you know, I think that um, it was kind of interesting because you, when you first started the show, you said, we have a theme. And we've been, before we went on, 20 minutes just talking back and forth and about a number of different things. And, and it struck me when you said that. I'm going, well, you know, that really is a good time because there's just different father-family um, elements mm-hmm. out there and there 's resources and there's uh, you know, there are people out there there it 's basically a call to family right I think that's, generally speaking any one I could go on and on for on each item but i or each guest that we had um, but I just think overall it really it really I, I take away that the importance of family and what we do as fathers and, and mothers um, to to help
1: yeah absolutely, so I think my biggest takeaway is the family lobbyist. And I'm not necessarily even talking about Terry Schilling. I mean, that's one example. But how are we lobbying for our family? Mm -hmm. You know, if we look at how we're raising them in the faith, uh, you know, uh, how are we doing in our own spiritual lives, if, if we're parents, in having an encounter with the Eucharist, in having an encounter with Jesus every day in prayer? Those are big things that don't even involve political action Mm -hmm. but are really important when we think about the future of our families and ultimately the future of our coming country because if we don't have families (laughs) it's kind of tough to have a country
2: it's an awakening and 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 we were talking during the break about there's probably a thousand things that the pandemic did that was negative but one of the things it also did was it opened our eyes to see what Uh, what kind of indoctrination our kids are receiving from the schools. And and that's the political action began there. I think the same is true with us as Catholics. Uh, We need to open our eyes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for tuning in for Real Presence Live. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for Father Richard Kunst and Cindy Jennings. But today, stay tuned for more great programming here on the Real Presence Radio Network.
0: This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network.